Hey, Calvary family, this is Pastor Michael Grove here on the Bible Reading app. Today is October the 11th, and we are here in the Bible Reading Plan, cruising through the year. Just about a month and a half left to go before we have completely read the entire Bible in a year. Yesterday, we started the book of Galatians, and so we will continue in that journey today, starting in Galatians chapter 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law, or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand, then, that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, The person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in His grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why, then, was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions, until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, 
locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians chapter 4 What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where, then, is your blessing of me now? I can testify that, if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh. But his son, by the free woman, was born as the result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The woman represents two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem. 
because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. This concludes our reading for today. Let me give you a quick thought before we end our time together. So this letter to the people of Galatia is a precursor to what he writes in the book of Romans. So in this letter, Paul kind of lays out some simple yet dense theology and then later follows it up with the book of Romans so that they can fully understand all of this theological understanding of God in his righteousness. But in the meantime, there had been Christians who were Jews who were coming and telling the new Christians who came from the Gentiles that they were doing things wrong. Instead of just living by faith and understanding who God is and what Jesus came to do for them, they were trying to impose on them all these laws and regulations that they used to have before Jesus. In essence, what they were doing is they were ignoring the work that Jesus did in trying to do the work themselves through the law of Moses. Yet, Paul clearly points out, the law didn't save you. He goes back to an understanding that he later repeats in the book of Romans, and he says that it was by faith that Abraham was saved. Now, if you're a Jew and you're listening to this, then what you have to stop and realize is what he's saying is that it was before the law that Abraham was saved. Because when God gave the covenant to Abraham, Moses had not yet received the law. So for the Jews who were hearing this, it would have set them back. While they knew that Father Abraham was the founder of what God was doing for their faith, they still lived by the law. They constantly were talking about the law of Moses and how they can inflict these laws and rules on each other so that it would help them be righteous. Yet Paul takes a moment and points out, the law actually just points out how bad we really are. It brings to light all the ways that we have failed, which then the law also turns around and shows that Jesus could be a right sacrifice that would redeem us all. So the law was neither good nor bad. It just helped us understand us in what God was trying to do. This is important for Paul to lay out because the next part is so vital. He begins to talk about what we would say today is a third race, neither Jew nor Gentile, but God's people. Inside this third race, there is no Jew or Gentile. There is no male or female, slave or free. He says that we are all just one. You see, the work that Jesus did united us and made us his children. And now because of him, all people are unified together. That is why it is so important that we all come together and worship the Lord as one. Because the work that Jesus did reunited everyone, brought us together, 
I think of all the fighting in the world right now. Earlier this week, we watched as Jerusalem and Palestine erupted. Earlier this year, we watched as Russia invaded Ukraine and is still fighting right this moment. There is civil war inside of Ethiopia, Libya, Mali, Myanmar, Somalia, Syria, and Yemen. Not to mention that there are 18 different countries right now that are fighting against terrorist insurgencies. All around us is conflict. Yet what God desires is for a people who would become one. He longs for all nations to come together, to worship as one, and to be his people. And that, my friends, is what my heart is for. That God would bring us together. That every tribe and every nation would know that they serve the one true living God. And then we would be united to worship him with all of our heart. So as you continue to pray for conflicts around the world, will you just pray that God would unite us? In fact, my prayer is that every church that believes in the Lord and understands Jesus would become so filled with all the nations that the rest of the world would see what it looks like when we're unified as one. Let the church be the place where there is no Jew or Gentile, male or female, slave or free, but we are all under one umbrella of being the children of God. Yes, inside of that, he's given us all unique distinctions. But at the end of the day, the thing that matters to us most is that we belong to Jesus Christ. As Paul said, we become heirs of Christ. That's all the time we have left for today. I love you and God bless. 